Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 173 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on June 30th over on twitch.tv slash Chat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again and also for being flexible with us this weekend. Uh, our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at Callus, the Emperor of the Cabal. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show with us tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 Next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only Green-Eyed Music Lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How has the week treated you so far? Good, good, good. I want to make a big shit Pen's Halo for convincing me to get a battery backup for my PC. Because mm-hmm. when that lightning struck, strike hit Friday night, because we were, we were loading into the show. I was in chat with Cornholio, and that lightning strike hit and knocked the power out of my entire block the rex the city rex center across them completely out everything was knocked out but my pc was still on so um thank you for that um i did not lose any information i didn't lose any programs or anything like that my pc's not fried it's super happy i'm really excited about not having to replace anything so yay so if you she she managed to save all up. the whips that have been sent to her no 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 <laughs> No. <laughs> Between you, Wicked, and Raz. Wicked's been going. Wicked's, Wicked's been the one who's been hard. making the memes, but Raz has been making stickers. I knew she has. She told me there was a sell, sale on freaking um, vinyl at the store the other day, and she oh, no. bought a bunch. And I'm like, oh no. I am so... You guys are... I'm the new beard, guys, with the grumbling. Oh, man. Well, uh, finally in the hot seat as guest co-host, we have a good friend of ours, Cornholio. Cornholio, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing awesome. I'm so excited to be here to hang out with you guys and talk destiny and i'm really uh excited to be here and i appreciate you guys having me mm-hmm. oh definitely um just just to kind of give everyone a an idea of where you come from you know what what is uh what's your i know you do the destiny show what else where where is that located and where can people find you and all that all that yes. good stuff 
So we have a website at destinyshow.com. We're also available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, and all those good platforms. And also we'll be going live on Twitch this coming weekend. Uh, you've actually given us some really great advice that helped us to finally get awesome. there. So uh, really exciting to finally go live. And uh, we're going to be on this Wednesday at 6. Nice. Awesome. Nice. We're very excited about that. So, Cornholio, I've got two very important questions for you. I'm ready. What class do you main in Destiny? This is the first one. It's an easy one. That's going to have to be Hunter, because okay. anybody who knows me knows that my jumping skills are less than perfect. And uh, I struggle quite a bit with the other characters whenever it comes to jumping, especially <laughs> uh-huh. on the Titan. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, you can make so many blooper really? videos. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. I've actually been getting a lot better with my Warlock and controlling my, my, my jumps with that, but my Hunter mm-hmm. jumps, that's the best one. And where's Bones Veil? I've been praying for it right. to come back for so long now. And I don't know. Been... Stompies do pretty well when it comes to like the, the speed. You can get some pretty long, long-distance jumps. That guy. All right, question number two. And this one is definitely not a standard Destiny question, but we asked this last last week with Jopa, and I thought it was kind of funny, and I thought it was really interesting. Since you main a hunter, what would, what song would you say would be your hunter soundtrack for while he's doing things in Destiny? Like, if you had to pick one song to be your, like, soundtrack for everything, what song would that be? That's really interesting. Um, let's see. I would probably have to go with Untold Legends in Destiny. Um, okay. Because that song's so epic. And it mm-hmm. almost tells the story of this perseverance. And that's how I see the Hunter character as. He's like always kind of the underdog who overcomes the greatest odds. And I, I, I really love that song as well. So For sure. All right, Blue, I'm done torturing him a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm going to hand it back to you anyways because, you know, oh, well, we, had a, we had a question of the week this, this time around. And I'm curious, <sighs> curious how the uh, fallout of that one came about. You know, I'm actually really impressed, but we have a tie. What? Uh, yeah, it, it 230 votes, and we managed a tie. I don't know. I'm a little flabbergasted, but the question <laughs> was, is Emperor Callus still alive, hiding behind the curtain like the Wizard of Oz, or is he now incorporeal and maintaining his Leviathan through other means? Which was like the very general question. The four options you had to choose from was, he is now a ro- robot, he's the shadow form, He's still alive slash hiding, or he's dead and others are controlling him, controlling everything. And the tie spot happened between he's the shadow form and he's still alive. So people are really split out of 230 votes. They're really split on whether or not the shadow form, if you don't, if you never played Leviathan Raid, like the basic Leviathan Raid, when we go into, I'm trying to think of the name of the the encounter, it's when it's the very last encounter against Callus. You go into the shadow realm and you have to jump over the little barriers and you have to call out the symbols that are on his head. That's the shadow form that a lot of us are talking about. Is is that Callus? Is that his true form at this point, or is he still alive? And people are really, really fifty-fifty on it at this point now. Twelve percent did say he, they think he's dead. And 4% says he's a robot, but really it was 42% to 42% as far as shadow form or alive, which is really interesting. 
Um, as far as comments on it, we had somebody who said he's an Ahamkara, which is another interesting thought in Spinfoil that I've seen. Um, there's somebody who made uh, Dredgen Bim, Bim Bimajin, may have put probably the most hilarious uh, response. Callus might ask, are any of us really alive? <laughs> what does alive even mean, man? Maybe we're all just a simulation. <laughs> then the Vex raise their hands and nod their heads, and we are all sad because they won. But, yeah, there were some really interesting thoughts. Some some people think he has his own throne world at this point. Some people think that he's somewhere in between being a corporal and being controlled by somebody else, which I thought was an interesting thought. But... Most people were really just unsure. Some people think that he has his own ascendant plane, which is all right. We've had multiple characters go into their own ascendant realm esque Mara, whatnot. What's his face? Floaty ball of light. Toland. Toland has his own miniature pocket, so it's possible. Even Mindbender has his own throne world. Dino's breaking me. What? Callus is Krang, Emperor of the Cabal. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> because he's the oh, floating no. head. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you don't know who Krang is, it is from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's, it's the so guy good. who is the brain inside of the, <laughs> the robot. The, the, the stomach. Yeah, he's the brain is in the stomach area. Yeah, it's Shredder. Oh my gosh, derailed. Oh my god. Oh, that makes me happy. <laughs> Krang, Emperor of the Cabal. Oh uh, well, I'm gonna try to segue into show yeah, notes. Yeah, I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> so. Before we start talking about Krang, the Emperor of the Cabal, let's run through our standard show notes real quick, and then I'm going to do some... Uh, I have actually a, a little bit of an interesting Lost Lore before we jump fully into the, the spin foil that I have a feeling tonight's going to be full of. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed Hive mythology. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to rate, and if you can, leave us a written review on iTunes or comment on the episodes on Podbean or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help continue to expand the FFC family, which allows more and more perspectives to be heard. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a gathering place where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within game lore, with a special focus on the Destiny universe. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. This is the home for the Focus Fire Chat episode note archives and articles as well. Our next chat is going to be a discussion over the Chronicon. Please note that next week we are going to be off air as we will all be down in Florida for Guardian Con, so we will be seeing you guys next on July 12th. For our extra lore topic of Darksiders. 
Before we jump into the information and thoughts the community had about Callus, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. Yeah, so Lost Lore this week, I figured, actually, I was looking, I I don't know, for me, the Cabal tend to be more heavily than any of the other races, really, uh, to be kind of referencing Roman or the other ancient cultures. And Callus is really actually no different than any of those, than any of them. Uh, Callus you know when when you read about Callus and about like how all he was he was revolutionizing you know culturally and military and and like the concept of uh, even even to a degree equality within the cabal uh, empire at the time uh, you get you actually can start seeing a lot of similarities between I, I've kind of I've kind of come down to three major figures in the ancient world. Uh, in our world, that I kind of get a, f- a vibe that Callus is a bit of a blend of, uh, and those are S- uh, Cyrus the Great. Uh, another one, another one that most people will be somewhat familiar with is Caligula, and then also another one that I don't know if you, if people might not be so familiar with him, but it's a Byzantine Empire emperor who goes by the name Constantine the Ninth uh, Monomachos. Um, now. The reason why I kind of put all these kind of in together is Caligula is is kind of he's a little bit obvious. Uh, Callus has a very very oh gosh there goes chat. Um, Caligula is yeah no I kind of I kind of did Caligula is kind of one of those controversial figures. Um, he he's not he's not especially that great of a leader, but what Caligula is very well known for is hedonism. Um, he was very, very kind of off keltered about just like embracing the power of the emperor and just really kind of did um, anything luxurious, anything that led to more pleasure. Caligula was very much a a supporter of uh, some of the major and am, uh, majorly ambitious construction projects within Rome. Uh, during, I think it was about the 37 to 41 AD was when he was in control of the empire. And there were a number of just immense construction projects that he kind of started. And that was mostly because he was all about, um, all about showing off the wealth and showing off, um, everything that he has amassed as an emperor. Uh, you know, it's also noted, he, he really didn't, rule for very long i think it was a grand total of about three years a little bit less than four years basically so three years ten months or so and in that time in the first six months he was actually pretty reasonable uh after that there and there's a lot of theories as to why but he kind of went insane i you know there's there's cons there's a there's ideas that it might have been a disease there's ideas that he just kind of something snapped mentally um but he kind of went off in the deep end as far as that but the big thing with caligula was the fascination with hedonism and the focus on the the present and you see that with callus like callus is very much focused on here and now and making sure that everyone is 
quote air quote happy uh and enjoying life because of his convinced um his his uh oh man i just blanked on where i was going what i was going to say because of his conclusion that everything is going to end he has basically doubled down on the hedonistic way of life of enjoying the present now if you look at constantine uh, monomachus uh, you basically see <clears throat> really a very big surge of um, political and military uh, presence. Um, he is responsible for a lot of changes in the, his time period. Uh, he basically was very, very big on... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. He, he pretty much changed a lot of the, the, the structure of the time that he was in charge of. Um, and that's very similar to uh, Cyrus the Great, which is, a, I believe, Destinopedia makes the comment about Cyrus the Great. Now, Cyrus the Great is going to be a really interesting figure, uh, and I really encourage anyone to look into any of these three. But um, Cyrus was really recognized for human rights, politics, and military strategy. And one of the things that he did was he also managed to run probably one of, if not the largest empire the world has seen. Uh, so this was prior to the Roman Empire. Um, you know, this is way, way, way back, 600, 530 BC. Uh, and so he was he was pretty he was a pretty big deal at the time. And one of the things that he did was he kind of set into this place, this cus this this uh way of assimilating cultures in that he respected the customs and religions of everywhere that he conquered, as long as they didn't uh, negatively impact his own. So, you know, he, he basically, which is very common in the Roman Empire, you see that a lot with the Roman style. Uh, he's actually kind of one of the first that kind of revolutionized that concept of like, just because you take over a culture or take over a, an area doesn't mean that you have to completely raise it to the ground and, you know, rebuild yours. He, he was very big on the whole, you know, Hey, no, you're, you are just as important as us and all that. Now he also was very iron shod in his way of rule, but he, as long as you didn't cross it, you know, it's like, Hey, we don't have a problem here. Um, but yeah, so and and you see a lot of similarities between Callus and Cyrus in the focus on equality, on politics, on military strategy being much more um I wouldn't say kind, but much more fair. Uh Callus, you diplomatic. Know, yeah, in Callus you also see the removal of the uh the focus on kind of the Gaul figure, the Red Legion, you know, culture of the hard uh the praetoriate wow the praetoriate you know when callus got rid of them and re released the people basically and allowed the legionnaires to become citizens and all this you know kind of movement of socializing a lot of that uh cyrus was very similar in the way that he kind of allowed uh different influences to have an influence in his empire like he 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 equally allowed both the eastern and western civilizations to influence his empire uh and and so there was there's a very very similar thing there um 
but yeah, I mean, so just from a historical standpoint, I find it interesting the kind of the combinations of different figures that we see within the presentation of Callus and within the Cabal in general. But, um, you know, with Gaul, you have definitely a much more militaristic presentation with a Praetoriate before Callus. You had a much more, obviously, a much, much more military presentation. And then Callus kind of was like this, oh, hey, let's let's. Uh, Let's relax a bit. You know, we, we have an empire. Let's actually enjoy the spoils of these wars that we've fought or that we've seemed to have fought. And it's not necessarily that he rested on the laurels of those who came before him, but he focused, you know, Callus kind of focused more on education, on, you know, the, the social, social equality of everybody and, you know, the building up of the knowledge and all that. And that's where I see a lot of the Cyrus the Great and Constantine more so. Um, whereas Gaul and the Midnight Coup group, you know, that overthrew him would argue that it was, he was more of a Caligula. Uh, that he was focused completely on the hedonism and he had gone too soft. So there's there's just a couple different ways you can kind of look that way. But like I said, I just wanted to really quick kind of give a nod to some of the hist- really cool historical little tidbits that Callus himself seemed to seems to have. It's pretty fair to say that majority of people who know Callus would compare him to Ligula. Even Guardians would compare him to Caligula without having a bunch of the lore and like diving into it. He just seems kind of a slob. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, yeah. Because we see Callus as post-experience of the, the Void, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the important thing to remember about when you're talking about like the early and I, I think this is a good transition point to kind of talk about you know the overall timeline right of of Callus um and Callus you know he he is responsible for giving what's what's kind of referred to as the people's revolution um and so what that kind of goes into is prior to Callus and his his taking over the Praetoriate, which was a group of military uh, strategists, military leaders, you know, generals and all this stuff, they were in charge of the entirety of the Cabal Empire. And Callus was responsible for kind of leading a revolution and taking power away from them. And not only taking power away from the Praetoriate, he actually exiled all of them, if not killed them. And what he did was then he took all the all the the treasures that these this small group had hoarded and kept from the the general people and he spread it among the people so he immediately you know he you get this sense of like he immediately becomes a very very big uh popular figure because he is giving back you know it's basically if a politician ever let up or ever kept the promise right you know you'd be a very big deal or she would be a very big deal, you know, because he leads this people's revolution. He shuts down the Praetoriate. He frees the people basically from this, this military rule. And then he proceeds to give all the treasure back to the people. And then he goes on and he says, okay, the army, you have not been allowed to be uh, citizens of this empire. You are now allowed to become citizens of this. So the legionnaires, those, those rank and file soldiers are now, you know, allowed to become part of what they have been fighting for. You kind of get the sense of like they were a slave army. It not not really, but you get a sense that they were an army that was basically mercenaries. They were not allowed to enjoy the benefits of all their work. 
And so Callus goes, no, you have fought for this. And so you kind of, you, you get this. And so, and that's where you kind of get the introduction of Callus. Now, this is all before Callus encounters the void and encounters, you know, whatever it is that he encounters, whether that's the nine, whether it's the darkness, the Ahamkara, whatever it is, you know, he, yeah, and, and Dino and Chad, it's opulence for all. You know, it, it's basically we have these massive treasure stores. Let's let's invest them in the people. Right. It's a very populist view. Give it back to the pop. So as far as like his whole coming to power, though, I know you talked about him overthrowing the Praetoriate and everything, but mm-hmm. the scenes that we have in some of the weapon lore of him after he's basically set himself up as emperor it's a it's all from his perspective but it's very he literally shows up into the senate and has a circle of his own guard around him and is just like from this day forward i shall take up the all the empire in my embrace for i am the father of empires as i am father to all creation i will suffer no tired institution nor petty bureaucrat to stand between me and my children i am the perfect (laughs) loving god and i will and all will tremble to know me it's like it's not he's not just setting himself up as emperor he set he himself sets, up as a god. He's setting himself up, elf, self up as an emperor god. The combination of the two. Go for it, Blue. And I think that ties back into before. So that was alone as a god entry that Green, mm-hmm. I think you were reading. Um, I think mm-hmm. the other really important entry that you want to read is Legend of Acrius. Because mm-hmm. this is a commentary from Tyra about the Legend of Acrius. And the Legend of Acrius is very uh, its very similar to the Legend of... God, I just blanked on the name. Icarus. Icarus, thank you. Well, Icarus and also... Um, it's not Perseus. It's... Um, oh my gosh, the, I feel terrible. It's the kid, the son of, uh, son of Helios, who steals his father's chariot. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, oh gosh, I feel terrible. Uh, anyways, it's the same. It's the same legend, basically. And, and the quote is right. that in the Cabal legend, a hero seeks to possess the sun. He succeeds, and then he becomes emperor. So it, it's in and Tyra Tyra's comments and notes on it is like that's the entire myth. It basically is like you know they basically said, hey, I want the sun. The the imp the Cabal takes it and becomes the first emperor of the Cabal. Um, you know. Whereas with our myth of Icarus and the other one that I'm blanking on, um, they end in not in a very, very good thing. You know, he, he, Icarus dies. Uh, the, the, I'm going to have to look this up because this is bugging. Um, okay. the, uh, it, they both end in very bad, um, Phaethion. Thank you. Gosh, man. Phaethion, um, is basically, so basically Phaethion is the story of a, son of Helios, who is the god who is responsible for the rising and setting of the sun. Um, and he steals his father's chariot, which is the sun. And in stealing it, he actually threatens to put the entire earth on fire. And Zeus is re- is basically forced to kill Phaethion uh, in order to save the earth. And so because of the hubris that Phaethion had, similar to Icarus, because of that, he dies. He's punished for that. Icarus dies because he flew too high. He flew. He didn't pay attention to the the composition of his wings. You know the false wings that his father had made for them, and the wax melts when they get too close to the sun. Whereas with the legend of Acrius, he gets the sun. He actually takes the sun, and then he becomes the emperor. So he doesn't get punished for it. 
he actually gets rewarded for it. And so, and uh, Tyra goes on to say that, you know, the linguistic analysis of the Cabal language and its many dialects, while it's incomplete, they do not have, they do not appear to have a word for the concept of hubris. So mm-hmm. if you, if you take that understanding and then apply it to alone as a God, it kind of, I mean, it makes, it's kind of goes hand in hand, right? Um, right. They, they are a culture that rewards that sense of hubris. That that sense of I, I hesitate to call it arrogance, but that sense of um, self entitled confidence um, that is that is something that if they can pull it off, and that's a big you know that's a big qualifier. But if they can pull it off, it's a reward. It's understood that yes, you are worthy of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's basically you know it is basically Roman Empire on steroids because even in the Roman Empire, you had a degree of understanding of where hubris could lead. Here, that is not the case. So we also have examples of, for as uh, happy and benevolent as Callus acts, he's not exactly the most kind in some respects to those people who have wronged him by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Mob justice is a really good example of that. Cornholio, would you mind reading that card for us? I put the link in our chat for us. Yeah, absolutely. While he pulls that up real quick, uh, Dino Dino made the comment too, and I I kind of meant to say this: uh, the myth of Icarus is also is really well known for the flying too high concept. But what you what you also have to keep in mind is that inside that that legend, inside that myth, Icarus was warned both to not fly too high, but also not fly too low. Because they were trying to escape the the island, right? Correct. Yeah, they were trying to escape the labyrinth and. In doing so, they created wings made of uh, feathers and wood and wax. And the way that they were constructed, the wax would uh, melt if it got too close to the sun, it got too hot. But also the feathers would absorb too much water and become too heavy. So if you flew too high, you would you would melt and you would fall and die. But if you flew too low, too close to that water you would take on too much weight and your wing the wings would not work and so you'd also fall so there was a, a goldilocks zone if you will in which he and his father could fly so icarus was you know it was the warning wasn't just don't fly too high it was also don't fly too high but don't fly too low that's really interesting mhm mhm all right so mob justice all right. got the tab going got it opened up yes awesome okay so it was like this I never thought of my palace as a true court. The only throne that mattered to me looked down upon the public commons. From that seat, there was no barrier between me and the glorious, adoring mob. I was their father. They were my children. It was there that I brought the corrupt to suffer the people's justice. How they cried as I threw their riches to the crowd. It amused me to see the dawning of of realization in their eyes. There would only be, there would be no safety for them, as there had been no safety for those they had, they had been to suffer. One by one, I tossed those weeping fools to the people. The mob let out a great cry of joy and stripped them of their robes, tore their, tore the jewelry from their bodies. It's so creepy. It's so creepy. It's the mob mentality turned up to 11 yeah this is not a nice guy i would i would yeah i mean 
I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, and I, I say that because if you look historically, even within our own cultures and our own history, uh, even, I mean, even within somewhat modern times, mob justice is not something that's uncommon. Um, right. And if you look at, I, I kind of mentioned this, I think, in one of the earlier episodes, but uh, Dan Carlin has an, a podcast episode that goes that is called Pain, Pain Fotainment. Um, very, very well done episode. Very long episode and not for young listeners. I will preface that. But he mm-hmm. goes through the history of public executions and why, you know, through the transitions of eras, the public tra- public public executions uh, actually got pretty grotesque before they kind of were cut off. And if you if you go back and li- if you go and listen to that particular episode, he actually talks about why it is that the human mind in large groups has the has this weird fascination with the the pain that is involved in a public execution because public executions were historically uh were very very political in nature they were very very political in uh what they were trying to teach to the the mobs now whether or not that lesson was actually implied or was actually transferred is actually the question because for the long part uh, especially during the medieval era that was not the case. Uh, people actually enjoyed public executions. They actually went to them as entertainments. They they would they would tailgate at them, and so you know. And then if you look in the Roman Empire period of time, you also have the gladiatorial games. The the gladi the uh, Colosseum was actually one of the largest places that public executions took place. Uh, there was actually. A set amount of a set period of the day that they would have public executions, um, and people would gravitate to those. And so, like a, bets and right, yeah. Well, some yeah, the betting was more on the the gladiatorial components, but there were some. It depended on how they were getting executed. To be fair, mm-hmm. um, because they weren't. It wasn't not all the same. Uh, depending on right. the crime and all that. But yeah, there there was, I mean, but one of the things that uh, Carlin actually points out was that the executions in Roman times, they took place over the lunch break. So people would have their lunch and they would, they would go to the Colosseum to eat their lunch and watch executions. So, I mean, let that sink in for a second. <laughs> I have a really, really weird connection to modern day fascination. It reminds me of Demolition Derby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, no one dies, in it, but the destruction of cars, just like somebody just utterly eating the snot out of another person's car with your own car, is very reminiscent of like the crowd feeling. I don't know if anybody, have you ever been to a demolition derby, either of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have not been to it. It's really interesting because the you have that race feeling too. Like races kind of have that as well, but there's some sort of there's almost a slight bloodlust and energy in the atmosphere because it's very different than a race because race you have generally a very clear outcome that's going to happen as far as like the whatnot but with the demolition derby there's so I mean, there's, much destruction there's there's so a clear much. outcome in a demolition derby there is but at the same time like you just don't a know which one's going to walk away right. right you can have a car that looks utterly trashed but because of the way that the frame is built because of the heavy body of it it may actually be in better shape than the other mm-hmm. car 
And of course, there's things like there's possibility of fire and stuff like that in the Mo Derby, and there's things that kind of stop that. But it's the energy of the crowd is very different at a demolition derby than it is at a traditional race. And it cracks me up because it reminds me of the Coliseum aspect and the fact that you're watching, you're literally watching two people fight, beat each other up. Well, I mean, more, more look the at time it's two that people look but. at look at the whole concept of MMA. Mm-hmm. You know, the the blood sport that it. I mean, to be blunt, that's what it is. It's a blood sport. Um, you know, you have that. You have football. Football is really any contact sport is. And I also I always point out the fact the funny fact that football stadiums are ironically the same shape as the Coliseum. Um, you know. Then there's also the whole thing of hockey. Yeah, hockey. Uh, but even like green, even what you're saying, like regular races. You mm-hmm. ever see a regular race where there was a wreck? People yeah, perk. People. People, crazy. people perk up. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's just one of those. It's just one of those things that it's a triggering event for for humanity in general. I think it's very fascinating psychologically as well. Um, it's almost an adrenaline rush, right? Right. Yeah, you're you're basically living it's a way of living vicariously through the people on the on the field. Um Yeah. The other the other thing that they would do that I find really entertaining was they would do uh plays in the Coliseum during the gladiatorial games. They would do um actual plays. And whereas, you know, <clears throat> in today's world we see the action movies and you know, it's it's kind of a suspension of disbelief because you know, those people aren't actually getting killed. Um, the plays in the gladiatorial uh, coliseums, you know, that wasn't the case. They were actually getting killed. Like they would have reenactments of battles and the battles were real. You know, they, that was the whole thing. But again, kind of going back to what you're talking about with like the demolition derby, there's just that sense of like that, that sense of need for that. Um, and actually that's uh, kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to segue that back into, uh, there was a question in chat from uh, prebuilt sumo. Uh, he said, they say, is it really mob justice that Callus did in that scene? It seems that he had already deemed them guilty as judge and was just sentencing them to their punishment to be thrown to the crowds they had wronged. So it's really, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of the, the mob justice in Callus's eyes, though, is he's going to stir the crowd to a frenzy with the injustice of everything and then just toss them down. And what happens happens it's still mob justice because the mob is enacting the justice he's already sentenced them though right and and so and i i think the thing here too is like you know mob justice is basically a a form of public killings really it's it's like you know um it's basically where a large group of people takes justice or takes an a action into their own hands uh, so you you would see this usually being in a lynching party or you know something like that, uh, but at the same time though, I what I, what's even more along my lines of thought is what would happen if he threw someone to the mob and they didn't kill him? You know, like what what happens there? Because Callus is dictating that in his eyes they are the corrupt ruler, the corrupt uh, politicians that have kept all this stuff away from the people. But if he threw them into the group or into this mob and that that particular individual wasn't killed by the mob you know what happens then well, that's that's actually okay. where i'm my brain goes i don't think that would i don't think he would throw them in until he knew the crowd was ready to go after him though that's true because so yeah I you're gaming the system you there. would 
Right. You really do. And you could see examples of that throughout history of different oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. dictators and whatnot. They will stir the crowd up first and either leading in chants or anything else and just move the passion of the people before pushing out whoever it is that they're going to get the mob justice for or whatnot. Yeah, and that plays it's into the... That plays into the concept of mob mentality as well. I mean, mm-hmm. mob mentality is a, a very scary, very dangerous thing. Right. So. Could it be that Gallus is testing us to see if you can survive the mob? And if you can, then you are the stronger being and you can withstand future villains that will be facing. Like with the menagerie? I think, I think there's aspects of that in all the different things he's had us do for him. Because he... The one thing that uh, Callus does really well is he utilizes others. Um, he has all the different shadows and whatnot over the years. In some respects, we're the new shadow, right? We're not necessarily accepting any contract. We've just been dubbed this. And he's going to use us until we burn out and then move on to have somebody else. But as long as we prove useful to him, I don't think he's stopping us in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, almost, and I, I mean, I, like I would agree there. It almost feels like he, he needs us to fight bigger demons that will be fighting, hopefully, this fall. Because we're going to be going back and facing a reprised version of Crota, for example. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if we've been tested and everything leading up to fall will be a test to determine how strong we are as guardians and what we're capable of doing and who's the strongest of the guardians to be able to take on these these challenges it's just kind of the sword logic then right you prove your you prove your strength through contest and surviving contest well it almost feels like that's how it's been for quite some time now with uh, the dredging for example the drifter it feels like we're being constantly tested through the battles of gambit and then even with lord Shax, we're always being tested through crucible battle that's true so we've talked about kind of his ascension to power a little bit. Do we want to talk about the actual midnight coup and revolution that happened for, towards his exile? Now I say revolution because it's in some respects a giant revolution out of his his reign and whatnot. But do we want to kind of lead into that a little bit? Yeah, I think I think actually that the concept of mob justice kind of gives validity to what was being done in the midnight coup. Um, okay. Because if you so here's here's the problem with mob justice, and this is inter- it's interesting because if you see this in the you see this in the midnight queue, I Gaul was definitely misled by the console, and you know there's that whole that whole storyline as well. But when they when they were you know when they led the coup against Callus and they convinced the 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 traitors the conspirators all to kind of help them do that and. One of the things that they do is they make sure to exile him at night, you know, so that the, the public don't doesn't see it. And Gaul or Callus reads that as, oh, because because my children would would not stand for it and blah, blah, blah. And, and that might be true. But then the other thing is you also have to remember that one of the conspirators was the person that was or one of the main figures that was specifically there to stir up the crowd. He was actually mm-hmm. against callous um right and so yeah and so there's there's a there's an interesting component there that you know you have to start looking at mob justice is all great and good for one or two people but 
it it's also a it's a very dangerous double edged sword um because the mob is is very fickle they they don't they don't i mean it, it's it's mob mentality mob mentality is not a constant thing and the problem with bread and circuses is when you run out of bread or you don't have a circus they're going to turn on you so it's it's a non-sustainable model, basically, is kind of where I kind of come from. Now, whether or not that's the inspiration for the Midnight Coup, I am not going to weigh in on this, because Gaul kind of clearly points it out that he was, he viewed basically Callus as being too soft. He viewed him as being no longer the Cabal. So, so the, the guy that you were talking about that stirs up the crowds, the mm-hmm. celebrant? Yes. His, his name is Adel Molly. Yes. He was Which the one that he was the one. Molly, 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 Yeah. He's the one that rule stabbed in the back with a harpoon and and got to jet ski mm-hmm. through the marketplace with. Which is hilarious story or not hilarious, but very entertaining read. If you have not already read the the shadows assassinating the various conspirators, rule rule gets. Uh, Rule gets really a good number of them. All right. So the Midnight Coup itself, though, how many conspirators did we decide that there were? Because there was Gaul, the daughter, Moly, Consul, the bodyguard. There was like seven or eight of them. Yeah, there's technically the, eight. The there's, there's technically eight. So there's the bodyguard who is Lictor, Lictor Sheotet. Uh, the scientist was the Scion, the freeborn Otsot. Ot- And then the celebrant was a Dale Amoli Amoli, the Everjoy. The general, the Evocate general, Um, Uma Narath, Primus of all the legions. Uh, She was the the one that kind of convinced the daughter. Correct. She is is the one that was super paranoid about uh, external threats and convinced Iska Al of Fantor, which is the confidant. Or no, sorry, that was, sorry, uh, Kayatol. The princess, princess imperial, uh, she was the general taught Kayatel how to become a star pilot, as well as basically convinced her of her paranoia. Um, and then the confidant was Is- Iskail of Fantor. He was the one. He was the tea salesman that Callus favored. Uh, and then you had the consul, uh, whose name was Iago, and then Dominus, which is Gaul. Yaga, how fitting. Um, and then within within the book, technically one three or so, the ones that we have hard confirmation that are being that are dead are the bodyguard, the celebrant, and the confidant. Um, and then obviously the consul and the dominus are dead. Uh, technically, if you look at the imagery of the limited edition uh, cabal booklet. The there is a common theme with the first six that we had mentioned there, and they all have kind of like this little logo on them. It's uh, the Leviathan logo with two slashes throughout. Yeah, I kind of I kind of argue that that's kind of an indicator that the hit list has been, that that the uh, contract has been completed on them. Um, we don't have confirmation, but we don't. But if you also look at it, it's a full picture of all eight, and the only two that do not have that logo are the console and the Dominus, um, which would be Gaul and Yago, and that would be at the start of the Red War. Uh, those two were in our system; the others were not. 
that we're aware of. So technically we have we have hard confirmation that the bodyguard, the celebrant and the confidant, the consul and the dominus are dead, which leaves the daughter, the general and the scientist. Um but I I kind of think that they are all gone, but again, we don't have full confirmation on those last ones. Do we want to talk about how it's his daughter that is the the infamous scene with his daughter? Yeah, so yeah, escape. I, I would I'll let you I'll let you take that one cuz I know that one's a fun one cuz it ties into your question ties into your question this week. Well, yeah, it does. I'm trying to remember what card it is exactly. I don't have it off the top of my head, but essentially what happens is the coup the coup is happening. Um Callus knows it's happening and he has an escape plan. He had a a, a backdoor essentially set in place and the only person who knew about this backdoor was his daughter. And as he's getting to, it's, it was, I believe, his throne area where he had it, his daughter is there waiting for him. Yeah, it's on his throne. And, and she has the, is it a bone? It is a bone. A bone in her hand and crushes it, preventing yeah. his escape. Dino, Dino has it in chat. Um, uh, so the quote is, could have stopped the coup. You alone knew of my special arrangement, but when I raced to my throne to give the signal, you were there. You sat on my throne with the signal in your fist, and when I reached out to beg, you crushed the bone in your gauntlet. Father, you said, I will not be weak. You mistook my joy for weakness. You mm-hmm. understood You understood nothing of who I am. And I believe that's actually from the... Uh, that's from the booklet, The booklet, it? yeah. It's not, it's not yeah. an actual entry, per se. It's from the booklet itself. So the the reason that blue kind of reminded of the the question of the week is because of the mention of Callus being Ahamkara. Now, whether or not Callus is an Ahamkara himself or has been dealing with Ahamkara, that seems fairly likely. Concept of a bone in destiny has been tied to Ahamkara. So what deal he had, we don't know, but he had some sort of plan to be able to get out of any sort of coup like that using the bone. Let's see here. So we've gone through his rise to power, the midnight coup. He gets essentially captured by them and exiled onto the Leviathan. He's sent out onto the, on this Leviathan with some of his more adamant supporters and is not allowed back into the Kapire of Torbital, and he takes off. So what happens after that? He goes out to all sorts of different places and start collecting different races to work as his shadows, his assassins, his different groups. Now, granted, the Cabal have been working with multiple races already at this point. Correct. But he's reaching out even further now and collecting people on their own because he has Atsat. They have the science already. They've already been working with, obviously, the science is a technically different race than the Cabal, but the Cabal Empire. Mm-hmm. The, he clips, goes out and finds, the clips were already there. Mm-hmm. They so that he goes out. He finds the Arkborn. He goes and finds all these different shadows to work underneath him. Whether or not they are willingly working <laughs> underneath him, or well, are being coerced to work underneath him, say, they're all technically willing. It's just how freely they initially agreed. Um, mm-hmm. Like just, the yeah, go for it, go for it. Like, does he try to convince them through? fear or does he convince them through you know just convincing them he's right the instances that we have are through intimidation 
uh, and actual just flat out threats. Uh, the Arkborn, for instance, made a. It, they're all contracts. They're all agreements with him. Um, so, like the Fulminator, yeah, yeah Dino Ejet. He, he does. He does kind of just show up in a Leviathan, which is a planet eater. So, you know, the intimidation factor is a little bit on his side. Um, and like for the Arkborn, for instance, when they find when he finds the Fulminator, he agrees that if the Fulminator will come work for him as the shadow of the Arkborn, uh, he will leave her people in peace. He will leave them to uh, the the causeways. I think I can't remember the exact term for their their world, but he will leave them alone. Uh, Rule, for instance, uh, the clips of the the Kaga clips. Uh, he actually he kills the majority of the clips and chooses which ones to allow to let be left alive. Uh, and then rule is part of a final ditch attempt to assassinate him. And he allows rule alone to make it all the way to his throne room and basically is like, Hey, you made it. You're going to be mine now. Like it's, it's, he's not subtle at all. Um, I'm trying to think. Feltrock. I don't know if we have the story of Feltrock. Feltrock was a scion. Um, Feltrock was the one who did a lot of, like... Sniping. Air- she was... Yeah, like, took also, out the aerial attacks. Yeah, like, she also ships. she also has the biggest distaste for Guardians. And the one mm-hmm. of... She's the one that introduced the concept of uh, Traveler Spawn as an insult, which I love. Uh, she was the one that they had to poison because Gaul's Red Legion couldn't get to her. Um, and then you had like Nor, uh, which was a cabal phalanx who was renowned for a very specific type of shield uh, that she would use to behead people on the battlefield. Um, Se- Secrus, Baron of Secrus, Shanks. Baron of Shanks was the fallen. Uh, we're not really sure where... Uh, Secrus, we know... I have a personal theory that Secrus had encountered Saint-14 because of a comment that he makes, uh, which also might lead into the pay-in of Saint-14 because of the the way that the the quote lies. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. If you read Secrus, huh. if you read about Secrus, he has a comment about how he saw... Uh, I'll, I'll look it up here in a second. But uh, yeah, Secrus mm-hmm. has the fallen. And then the last one that I was going to talk about is um, Jairus. Jerris is a. I just blanked on the race, but he is a star pilot, a uh, Ace Defiant, the last of the Ace Defiants, and he was another one that basically tried to attack the Leviathan, failed, and instead of just killing him, Callus was like, "Oh no, 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 no!" And he kind of like pat him on the head, and he was like, "You're mine now. You're gonna fight for me." And you know, it, it, again, it's just it's straight up intimidation is really what it is. I think Nor, Nor that's is. That's how he's worked with everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Nor is the like, only one that strikes me as not having that interaction with him. And I think that's because Nor was already a loyalist before. So if we t- look back at the Legend of Acreus lore card that we read earlier, that whole idea of he's basically walking in with the attitude I am the, the biggest, most powerful person in the room. I will intimidate the snot out of you and convince you to do what I want you to do because I I know I'm more powerful than you. He doesn't have to actually prove it. He just acts it. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he does have things to back it up, like the world eater, but... <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to argue because 
He's like, num, num, num. <laughs> and, and the Thoprock armor, that's from the Eater of Worlds. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yes. The Feltrock armor? Yeah, like those are those are raid pieces. Yeah. Uh, wraps, wraps of Sekris, a lot of them came in during Curse of Osiris. Yeah, but... and there those, the Feltrock, Sekris, and Nor were actually the ones that they were originally released, and then um, they kind of got rehidden, and it was like, oh, we lost Feltrock, and then Feltrock came back later at another update, and I was like, yay, Feltrock's mm-hmm. back. Um, it's on the yeah. boots the boots of Sekris here. I'm going to read this quote, and I'll let you guys figure out what I'm talking about here. So this is from Sekris, Baron of Shanks, and it says, The fiercest light emerged from the tangle of the web grenade. The amethyst divider on his helmet gleamed with rage. I was gone by then. I'm no fool. So the 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 freaking I don't remember what they're called, but the horse had the the toothbrush, the brush, the the brush on his head. Yeah, the, the amethyst. Ones, if I you think. look at if you look at the helm of Saint Fourteen, there is an amethyst divider, and the the pan to Saint Fourteen as he walked out into the demon light. But at the end, he was brighter. <laughs> so Sekris threw a grenade at at Saint Fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then ran. And then ran because he was like, "Nope." <laughs> and that's an interesting. Con- I yeah, mean, I remember. You? I remembered reading that, and I was like, "Yeah, I completely get you, Sacris. If that had happened, I would have been nope, nope. I'm done." Sacris mm. uh, was also really well known for uh, his cybernetics. Um, <clears throat> so he he was a. I kind of get the idea that he he was around at the time, believe before the Great Whirlwind, um, if I remember correctly. I'm gonna have to relook at Sekris a little bit because I remember calling, drawing some connections with Sekris that were really interesting. Um, but what he is, what he was also known for, um, yeah, he was around before the Whirlwind because he says the Baron of Shanks could even recall a time when the Traveler had blessed his people. He rarely spoke of it, even to me, and I didn't press him. When one knows what Callus knows, Traveler lore is meaningless. But I mention it only to say that he despised your kind with a particular ferocity that most of his people could not muster. So he had a he had a special hatred for the Guardians. So around the same time as he's gathering all of these shadows, he also encounters the Deep. Yeah, and this is where you kind of can get into an argument because mm-hmm. um, this is where it kind of gets murky. Um, I kind of think that he would have encountered whatever he encountered prior to gathering the shadows because I get the feeling that he's gathering the shadows. Because, I mean, I, I think that he encountered the edge, the void, you know, if that's the darkness, whatever, whatever, whatever he encountered, I think he hit that before he started the shadow gathering. Because first off, he wouldn't have gathered it prior to the midnight coup. He he wasn't gathering them before the midnight coup. And he didn't ever travel on the Leviathan prior to that that we know of until he was exiled in it. Now, up until the point where he hit the void, he wasn't in control of the Leviathan. And and we know from the Chronicon and um, the... Uh, uh, commentary, I think it's commentary, the new entries, that he was really up until that encounter with the Void, he was basically in a tantrum the entire time. He wouldn't leave his room until the until the Leviathan basically crashed, uh, the navigation systems crashed, and he had to go out um, 
he had to leave the ship in order to fix it. And he, and when he left the ship, that's when you kind of get the site, the, uh, the two, uh, scribes that are writing, writing the crime kind of like freaking out. They're both scions and it's really kind of interesting, but they're freaking out because they're like, he's going to die. He's going to die. And then he comes back. Like, I think some of it, but it was after that encounter that he gained control of Leviathan and then he uses the Leviathan to intimidate a number of the the individuals who would become shadows. So just in the in the transition of those events, I would say that he actually encountered the darkness or the ed, the void, whatever. He encountered that first and then started gathering the shadows because that's also when he started putting together the hit list of the conspirators. Mm-hmm. And that would make a lot of sense because why would he go out of his way to do all this? To go and look for right. shadows and to right. test them on the Leviathan. There must be a threat that's large enough for him to feel the need to build up the armies and the forces to fight them. Yeah, because again, until he encountered the Void, he really didn't see... I mean, like, he wasn't, he wasn't ignoring the fact that he needed an army. You know, he he didn't ignore he just that. Didn't know how to get that power. Well, he just didn't seem to. He didn't seem to really care. He left that up to the general, and he left that up to the primuses that he he assigned. Like when he was in charge of the Cabal Empire, when he was emperor, when the true emperor, or whatever, on Torbital, it, it wasn't that he let the the armies like dis- disintegrate. Like he definitely kept the armies there. He just had his focus was on, you know. A different sort of thing. His focus was on the education and the enrichment of the society, um, the hedon, like the the opulence again. Um, and then he gets exiled by the Red Legion, and so then he gets put on the Leviathan. Leviathan, you know, goes for however long it goes. It crashes, and he encounters the void. So okay, so the entry entry five is with the journal entry that you were talking about. Yes, where the where they're talking about him coming back. Yeah, this is also that's the, the entry that. Match. Yeah. Yeah, this is also the entry where it's mentioned that they've not seen him since. But yes, I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. All right. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, I kind of want to read part of this, or we. I mean, I want to read the bottom half when it starts. Where I haven't thought into this journal since that day at the edge. When Callus came out of his observation bubble f- overflowing with joy, I want to read from that to the bottom or have somebody read that. Uh, Cornholia, I did put the link in our deal. Would you mind reading that for us? Absolutely. And it would be the fourth paragraph down. It would start. That's where it says, I haven't thought into this journal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I haven't thought into this journal since that day at the edge when Callus came out of his observation bubbling. Bubble overflowing with joy. It's the end, he bellowed, gritty as a girl with her first tusks. It's magnificent. It's divine. It's more than I ever was. Match, it's the end of everything. He frightened me. That day frightened all of us. None of us will speak of it, and we do not dare more than the shallowest meta-concert. Least our memories pool into a deadly truth, but in that void... Callus saw his purpose renewed. He guided he guided us to reset the failed navigation system, repair the traitor's sabotage, and retake control. I thought we would hurry back to the homeland, 
But Callus no longer seemed to pine for his lost throne, or to care at all about the reforms he once championed. Now we wander the galaxy on an Epicurean crusade, sampling a bounty of few furies and rare delights, all the inquisitiveness and avarice that Callus once poured into government, he now extends to his appetites. I have seen Callus feast on things no living mouth can eat. A chill superfilled of helium-4 whirled in his count for ten years by a single turn of his wrist. He returned a decade later to toss it back, or a pea of neutralism? I think it's that uh, should have torn through him like fog. He told me it tasted like the thickest fudge. He is changing. He was here a moment ago. The ruined star shell caught his attention. He loved his beauty, and millions of mirror-bright sails folding up like tissues and winding and wind to fall into a blue giant are very beautiful. Eons ago, someone built these mirrors to hover on the blue star's light, and for a while, I suppose, they lived in sun-fed paradise. How did they die? I asked. That match is the wrong question. He tuned the observation room to track a single tumbling mirror in life. The sail had been as wide as the space between a world and its moon in death. The rigging had collapsed into a thistle of spin metal and glint. What you should ask is why I am so glad they died. I could not imagine, and I admitted it. These beings were much like us. They did not travel through time or lesser it the universe and crawl into the wounds of Gearn for the patronage of any old machine. Dot, dot, dot. They were creatures of metal ambition, of physics, of life. If they failed, it is the omen of death for us. Precisely, Callus said, thy regenerosity. They were granted they were grand once. They thought very briefly that they would live forever. And they were wrong. They would be very ungrateful to refuse the lessons, wouldn't they? Wouldn't be. I sat before a fountain and tried to pour out the spirits for guidance, but they would not explain. An addendum, addendum I have not seen Callus in the flesh since. So, I mean, it's interesting here because you see so much of Callus's change mental change as well as his the noticing of his different match match the counselors there we go counselors was the word i was looking for counselors noticing his chain his attention in what he what he's going after that line he would here he was here a moment ago the ruined star shell caught his attention he loves mirrored bright sails folding up like tissues to fall into a blue giant are very beautiful. Eons ago, someone built these mirrors to hover on starlights. And for a while, I suppose, they lived in sun paradise. And you just see some of these different... You see the physical change. You see the, the change that they're observing that is like, holy moly, what's going on with this guy? Like, what happened to him out there? What did he encounter? Who did he... Yeah, Blue, I agree with that. They did not travel through time. The Vex or lacerate the universe and crawl into the wounds, like the hive, or yearn for the patronage of a machine, the fallen. You're mentioning all the different enemy races. 
And he's also talking about a satellite that is sounds very similar to a human satellite. Mm-hmm. So these beings were much like us. They were creatures of material ambition, of physics, of life. I'm just I just find that interesting. Like it sound I, I'm just curious on this mirror that he is looking at if that's not a um it's not like one of the satellites that we've sent out into deep space for observation purposes. Yeah, because it so, says because uh, it says eons ago. Sorry, eons ago, someone built these mirrors to hover on the blue star's light, and for a while, they, I suppose they lived in sun-fed paradise. Okay, so it might have been something. Okay, could he be referring to different races that were taken? Not, I mean, at this point in time, within the timeline, the the taken orcs is not within our area yet. Here, because this happens no, way before. So, yeah, sorry. A blue, a blue star. I just wanted. To, I, I'm just curious on myself. <clears throat> blue stars are stars that have at least three times the mass of our sun. They're um, also the hottest stars. Yes, they are super the giant. Brightest stars. They are super giant. They are extremely hot and bright, with surface temperatures between twenty to fifty thousand degrees Celsius. Uh, and one of the best known examples is Rigel, which is the brightest star in the constellation of Orion. And it's and that is the sixth brightest star in the sky. So Oryx, like the taken aspect of Oryx, I don't think the races were necessarily at that point. Because Callus encountering the Deep happens pretty early in the timeline. We have Battle of Six Fronts around there. We have Twilight Gap around. Oryx is even later, although he may have muned with it at that point. We know that. But I don't think he's taken all the different too much yet. Mm-hmm. It's hard. At least we know they haven't used it against us at that point. Mm-hmm. All right, so... He visits the deep. Weird stuff happens. Callus is no longer seen in his corporate. Doesn't mean he doesn't still have a form, but they haven't seen him since. Right. And we get to the point of the attempt on Gaul's life, which failed. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. It was very much so. Very, very much a failure. Though it does explain where Gaul's scars came from. And we also got confirmation with the new lord that it was not the last of the shadows that were involved. It was just the pinnacle of the shadows, like the paragons of the shadows. So these were mm-hmm. the, the greatest of the shadows were the ones that were sent to try to assassinate the what he refers to as the traitor. Um, and I believe that is in entry eight. Hang on real quick. Let me make Assassination sh- of the traitor. Entry eight. Nope. I believe might so. Be, this it is might a be. longer yeah, one. I think, it's, it, I th- that's it, within that time. It is. It's, it's either Entry 8 or Chronicon uh, 605. Um, yep. No, it's Chronicon 605. Uh, and this is written by another Scion scribe, Shagak. Uh, but basically, Shigak. this is Shagak. This is the one where uh, he basically refers to other shadows. Um, because at the very end, they said, what? They asked timidly of the rest of his shadows, those who had not gone to fight Gaul. They still lived. And he basically goes, nope, I ruined them. I've spoiled the whole batch. Which, which I'm like, wait, you're going <laughs> to... It's just like, yeah, those guys just all are bad. We just got, we got a clean house. You know, I'm like, what? Well, I mean, okay, so we saw his zenith, in some of zenith, the earlier entrants. Sorry, he, he refers to them as his zenith champions. That's the word I was looking for. Sorry. Right. He. We know in some of the earlier entries that they were battling in pretty large 
aerial battles as well as ground level battles mm-hmm. with quite a few of them. That wasn't necessarily the eight that we know or the seven that we know of the shadows or whatnot. So there's there's a few of them we thought they're just not named necessarily. Correct. And yeah. they're dead because um, you know Callus got. Nope, I ruined them. <laughs> All of them. I, it's like I've a little spoil, child. I've spoiled it, the batch. Dump it out. Like we'll start kid. over. Right. It's like a kid who's like, he got one fly in his glass of milk and mm-hmm. then he dumps out the whole thing. Which, granted, I get it. Dump the milk out because flies are disgusting. But it's people. That's, well, that's creatures <laughs> working for you. Yeah, well, when you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I guess that's his own thing. It's very telling of his personality how he views the world and his his, um, Mm -hmm. uh, servants. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we've gotten through the the Gaul assassination attempt. Uh, After that, Red War happens, what we know in game at the beginning. We actually take out Gaul and Consul. Well, Consul gets taken out by Gaul. We take out Gaul later. Mm -hmm. And... Then we get reached out to by Callus himself to come to the Leviathan. That silly mission that pops up all the time because I refuse to finish questline. Um, not because I can't. I just don't want to. So I constantly get it to pop in my. But yeah, and then he he recognizes. Yeah, he recognizes that Gaul was met with the traitor's fate. Um, and then so then that's when he invites us and does that whole thing. Which is also concurrently around the time of the emissary and Sagira, so that would be mm-hmm. um, Curse of Osiris. Period. And, and then, then we have and then the, the other Leviathan. The Leviathan the... nom noms the Argos. Oh gosh! So then also <laughs> we have the different raids, the extermination raids, where we go and take out the pest, the various <laughs> pests that he has. I'm trying to. Re- Wicked. Wicked made a comment. I'm trying to remember what it was. I'll have to go look it up. But he was like, so basically, <laughs> they were used as a, uh, oh gosh, what is it? A probiotic for the Leviathan. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> poor Argos. I say poor Argos, knowing full well that Argos was an infestation. And then you had the, what was the name of that guy that came Valcor. in? Valcor. Yeah. <sighs> And then now we have to take out another pest problem that he created. Yeah, he created himself with, uh, yeah. what was his name? Galron. Galron. Yeah. The giant, giant. That that's, that raid, by the way, is a lot of fun. I don't. I know you haven't done it, Blue. Have you done it yet, Cornholio? Yes, I've done it at least a dozen times. It's a yeah. really fun raid. It was really interesting to go back to Love Live. The encounters are really fun. I think that... Of all the raids that I've played, this one was kind of the most chill and relaxed one. Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't necessarily think it's chill and relaxed, because it's definitely... A, I guess it's chill in the fact that not all the pressure is on one person. Everybody has to perform at the at the same level, essentially. I guess... Because when you're, you have your pairs and everything... I'm thinking after the very first room, when you're doing the... the I call it the pie room, when you have the three sections and you have to unlock each section... It's the treasure room. I guess but... I think I think this one was less mechanic heavy than the other ones were for me. Okay, uh, I can I can get that. Like yes, there were some mechanics where you have to go and shoot an orb and switch blessings and whatnot. Beyond that, it wasn't really a whole lot more. You have to make sure to kill the 
or punch the deception and the deception comes out. But once you figure out that mechanic, I, I feel like it was pretty, pretty straightforward as opposed to like some of the other raids, especially Wrath of the Machine. It was a lot more... Oh, see, I loved Wrath of the Machine. I didn't think that one was too bad. I loved it. Like you stuff. had call-outs you had to make, but it wasn't... I don't know. I I had a lot of issues... We went in day one trying to finish it, and we had a lot of issues with that second room. But so we've been exterminating. We are his. What is it? Orkin man. We're Callus's Orkin man. <laughs> I'm just. I wanna. I wanna jump ship now with the giant cockroach on the top that bobs. <laughs> hey, Callus. I, wanna... I heard. You, I heard you had a problem. Let's let's clean her out now. Oh man, I need. Oh God. Now I have Men in Black stuck in my head. <laughs> All right, boys, let's clean her out. Um, but okay, so we were his exterminator, technically called his shadow, even though I don't remember signing any sort of contract for it. But uh, didn't you read the fan fiction of the Scions? I know, but that's fan fiction. And that's the thing that I know we're talking about next time on FFC. Yes. Do we want to kind of touch on it a little bit here? I mean, as I far think... as an introduction. I think that would probably be fair because it is it mm-hmm. is kind of a a part of the updates from op- the season of opulence, right? Callus um, <laughs> is I mean the cabal aren't subtle. I, I mean again, that's just the, the the case of the the situation here, and they're so mm-hmm. they're so not subtle that they have given us basically the copy of like here's what's gonna happen. <laughs> well. Uh... I do like the, okay, the so, constant reference of, okay, you need to be sure to come back and edit this with what really happened so that we, you know, we, we are accurate. Okay, so here's what I want you to clear up or at least theorize on just a tiny bit. In your opinion, are these just stories written up by these scions, these counselors, to try to please Callus, or is this something having to do with the Oxa machine? And there's too many lines that we don't necessarily have a correct yet. <sighs> hmm. I don't know if it was... I don't think it's the Oxa machine. Um, now, that being said, it could be, but I don't know. I don't think it's the Oxa machine. I have a feeling that the Oxa machine isn't on the Leviathan, especially since Freeborn... Uh, we had the call out of Atzat and Maya Sundaresh with the uh, the one. Uh, was it a strike or was it the adventure where we have to take out the Super Scion in the on Nessus? I'm trying to remember what that one was. Insight Insight Terminus. Thank you, Veru. Um, Kragen or Cargan? Yeah, yeah, Car- oh, yes, Cargan. I keep wanting to call her. That I, I keep... rarely get. Yeah, yeah. Is it a strike? I don't know. It is a strike. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a PlayStation strike. Oh, okay. That's why I've probably only gotten it a couple times. Um, well, because you're it, on Xbox. Well, no, because it's it's on, but it's it's not a common okay. one. I only got it because it was part of uh, one of the one of the quests that I was supposed to go through. Um, uh, I'm also pretty sure yeah, that Inside Terminus was uh, it, it was taken out of the Nightfall rotation for quite some time because there were some issues with the last. Boston, yeah, I'm sorry. Every time everyone says Cargan, all I can think of is Kerrigan. So, I'm like, that is not the same game series, and I'm really confused. My brain keeps jumping there. 
Um, Let's see. So beyond that, but I, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the oxen machine. I think. I think it's a common because, like, the way that the the way that the chronic chronic chroniacon and the uh, confessions kind of are mentioned at, at being written is they're kind of mm-hmm. they're they're obviously from scions and it's a psychic uh discourse really and so and there's also a lot of conversations being captured between the different scribes that are going on uh there you'll see different call outs and sub notes and stuff like that right like this sub note dino put a note to the scribe shagag Please be advised that although our great emperor knows the shape of the future very well, we cannot presume its texture. So it's not necessarily that they know the future, but... Yeah, and then there's like one that's the one that I'm looking at right now is the scribe employed at the future date shall please provide additional detail here as the number of courses at the banquet and their contents. Delete this footnote upon the actualization of this history. So it, it again, it's kind of like... It's like a minority report-esque type of thing. You know, like... It's be they're writing what they think is going to happen, but then they're going to go back and update it to what actually happened, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's the huh, it's the fake news of the cabal. Yeah, and and Dino's mentioning that right now. Uh, Confessions is matches diary, whereas the Cron Icon is supposed to be the history pro- history book. Uh, it's supposed to be like I, I know I'll get grief for this, but it's supposed to be the Book of Sorrows for the cabal, basically. It's Whoa, it's okay because I mean, but look at it. Look at the way it's written, and it's very similar in in sense uh, of it's propaganda. Oh yeah, but it's it's not even a history. It's the it's the history of Callus. It's the story of Callus. It's the chronicles of Callus. Is what it is. It's the story of how he killed all the different things. That's really it's not necessarily. But it's I mean. It's the story of Gallus. Like, I mean, it kind of is. I don't like it. Next week, or not next week, two weeks, three weeks from now? Jeez, when are we doing that episode? We're doing that episode on July 19th. Yes, correct, yeah. That is going to be an episode where you're going to hear me groan a lot. (laughs) No, my, my brain did not break with this. My brain just really gets angry about that connection or about that comparison because I view this more as Callus's on the toilet book. This is to make him happy to pass the time to pass other things um, rather than a almost biblical aspect of the books of sorrow the chron icon is callus's toilet book it is it's his it's it's his this is going to keep me happy and it's in short little snippets so it's like the um what are those stupid books called uncle john's i want to say uncle john's oh my god my grandpa has one it's i mean anyway I digress. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! Oh. Right, it's Callus. like short stories Callus to make is, the man happy. Callus's Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. I mean, <laughs> that's great. He's reading it for the stories. We don't know about it in the pictures. That's a good point. You haven't seen any of the pictures. The, poli- the politics, the politics in it is amazing. I don't know what you're talking about. 
Oh man, just towing that line as close as we can to oh, that. Everybody rating. reads the article. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so we're gonna go into who all is killed off in the Chronicon, how they're killed off, because some of them are really interesting, aka Drifter. I actually feel sorry for him. Um, and we'll probably get into some of the crazy theories tied up to more of is this obviously just propaganda to make Callus happy or what is the purpose of this next time? Is Sorry. there anything else Sorry. you want to... I'm like... I'm, I know. I'm like... You're still broken. I'm like... I'm just, it's just... Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I mean, other than, like, I'm going to... Obviously, I will... This episode's going to be coming out a little bit later. I, again, I appreciate everyone's patience with that. Um... We will have these. I'm hoping to have these out before we take off for Guardian Con. Uh, if you guys are going to be at Guardian Con, I hope that we get a chance to say hello. Um, if not, then we. I'm going to be trying to keep uh, a record. I have a recorder now, so I'm going to be bringing that with us, and we will try our best to kind of get some stuff to to either release on the podcast feed which you'll get through here or maybe over on the youtube channel um we're trying to figure out some technical details with those various pieces but yeah um that's really i mean i guess we'll, i don't really have anything else here uh so i'll, I'll let cornholio do you have any shout outs or any uh could you remind everybody where they can where they can find you i'm sure um you can find us on uh destinyshow.com you can also find us on all major podcasting platforms. Uh, we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean. And also we're going to be on twitch.tv forward slash The Destiny Show as well starting this uh, coming week. And uh, shout outs to my name is Byte. He's doing such incredible work. His videos are so, so awesome. Uh, I've learned kind of more from him and from you guys as well. So it's been very great to consume their content, learn about lore, my favorite thing. Oh, we appreciate it. Green, what about what about you? Shout outs to those funny people in live chat. You guys make my I like I'm s- sitting here grinning half the time with some of the stuff that you guys come up come up with in chat. Not only just like um, helping us stay on top of our game, but also some of the funny stuff that just pops up in chat every once in a while. You guys definitely bring a a fun element to the podcasting and whatnot that I would miss. Um, when we record offline, it's really kind of a, no offense to Blue, but it's kind of a sad, just straightforward event without a live chat. You guys make it a lot of fun here. I love you, Blue, but it's just, it's really, we're down to business. We do it, we're going to defeat the Huns and keep going. But it's one of those things like you as live chat coming and hanging out with us make it so much easier and so much more enjoyable to do the show. So thank you guys for hanging out with us week after week. And for those people who just hop in randomly, thank you guys for joining us for however long you can. It's great fun to have you guys here. And there a lot of the um, stories that you hear us refer to in chat sometimes or in the podcast when you're listening to it later those happen because of live chat half of the time. So 
Definitely a shout out to you guys. Blue. Uh, big shout out to uh, Destiny Ghost Stories for their return, I believe. Hey, they're starting up again. They are. They are starting up again. I believe they had one, or I think they had an introductory episode, and then I yes. believe their, I can't remember, I think their first one, Officially they were they're, this month. Okay, is it official? Okay. Um, so yeah, they, they are starting back up. And then also a big, a big shout out and a big thank you to Scooby and uh, Dino, actually, because Dino. they have done an amazing job with the timeline graphic. And I will definitely, I'm going to give you guys a link to that. Uh, I believe Scooby says that the best way to find it is on the Reddit thread that he has with it. Um, so I'll, I'll copy a link to that Reddit thread for everyone in the show notes. And then also a really good um, kind of breakdown of the chronology of Callus uh, by a user over on the Reddit threads by the name of Dobby Rams uh, has done an amazing job in breaking down the numerous uh, pieces of lore on both the Chron Icon, the uh, Confessions, and then also all the armor and weapons. And putting it in a timeline piece of that. So I will connect, I will uh, link his work as well, or their work, sorry, their work as well. Um, because seriously, amazing job on both sides. Uh, the timeline, the Destiny timeline image is immense and it does a just fantastic fantastic job of of kind of just laying out everything that we kind of we have confirmation of and that is a big big task that has been undertaken by uh, scooby and dino as well as a number of other people i'm sure within uh destiny ghost stories i believe that's within their their discord chat i believe if i remember that correctly um but mm. seriously seriously if you are any if you have any interest in how this whole thing plays out I definitely would recommend getting a copy of this. Um, but yeah, so just, I mean, again, you guys blowing me out of the water with the way that it has been letting the community coming together and putting this information together in ways that it makes it easy for people to, to step in that haven't had a, you know, haven't spent hours and hours and hours kind of putting everything together for themselves. This is, this is a really big deal. Um, and then, yeah, it, I'm trying to think, uh, don't think i had anything else other than like i said the um the upcoming event guardian con uh so guardian con and then there's going to be the halo convention also the same weekend in orlando so you know definitely if we guys if you don't see it at one of us and we're gonna, i'm going to be at both um so if you don't see me at one i will be at the other uh, just give us a shout out in our Discord if you are going to be there, and we will try to find a time to uh, meet. Uh, Green, I think, has a couple times I, on the schedule already. Yep. So at this point, we are scheduled not only to do the lore panel at 2 p.m. on Friday with Bife and Myland and the Ishtar team, but we are also signing posters at Issacol's booth at 11 a.m. on Saturday. And you'll be able to find us out and about in a few different areas. We'll definitely be at the convention, like on the convention floor, kind of hanging out. I will try to tweet out um, random images of where we're at, see if you can make a game out of it necessarily, and come and find us. If you can't find us by... Uh, Blue has a surprise for Guardian Con. Blue is pulling a green from last year and making it really easy to identify him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... We're going to leave it at that, though. Yeah. Yep. No clues, no hints. I might put hints on Twitter. Keep your eyes peeled. Urge Bife. Yes, we will be urging Bife to make sure to eat. Yeah. 
Definitely. And safe travels to anybody going to Guardian Con in general, whether it's us on FSC or anybody traveling from overseas back over here. I, it's a grueling trip. Godspeed and be safe. Take care of yourselves. Lots of vitamin C. Lore Mom commands. <laughs> Take your vitamin C. But, yep. All right. So we will see you guys not next, well, not next week, but uh, on the 12th for our 12th. extra lore. And then, um, yeah, that's all I got for you for you tonight. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.